as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. and gents i got one for the road uh podcast uh maddie harrison how are you <laughs> i am good how are you doing i'm delightful thank you much so <laughs> we just uh i've been looking for people to collaborate and you know i already had plenty of episodes already slated that were works of fiction that were inspirational but like uh, appropriate for various holidays that included black history month President's mm-hmm. Day and International Women's Day. But I was like, still, we got to take down a bunch of true crime like miniseries and like events because this is the year to be progressive, baby. This is 2022, and so exactly, exactly. Uh, I was, I, I just asked, I just knew I had just one in mind that I'd finally gotten around to getting off my ass and seeing. And I was like, yeah, I think if Maddie is covering true crime and other wrongful doings, I'm sure she see this and, and she's like i will check this out it's only four episodes and lo and behold so yeah i finished it within a day so oh sweet yeah man i i, I had to space it out it was so oh. so 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 brutal um it's like it was it didn't help that i was watching with a few people and they were like uh, i just want to watch the follow-up report it was just so crushing to them just seeing that interrogation in the opening episode oh i know that killed me I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stomach this over a weekend, but I'm not going to wait on you. So I'm, <laughs> yep. uh, so yeah, when they see us was written and directed by Ada Devarney. You may know her for middle of nowhere and a few other independent films and shorts. She also came to acclaim by helming the historical drama known as Selma. And when I indicated this to a few other people, I was just like, oh, okay, yes, I have heard of this, or I've at least heard of the Central Park Five. And it really was interesting how it kind of took everyone a moment to see this, because I don't know if they were just getting it mixed up with a similar titled show or what, See Us or mm. something. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's about the Central Park Five, and it's got a giant all-star cast. They're all completely unrecognizable, never seen them in anything like this, the unknown actors mostly unknown arguably who play the five you know uh members were 
you know, Nickelodeon kids, for God's sakes, this is their first. I know. Yeah, I had never seen them in anything else before. And I was like, wow, they are doing like powerhouse performances right now. And I can't believe I haven't seen them in anything else. So. Totally. Uh, the Guardian, uh, Lucy Mangan has a quote on this. Uh, I think this sums it up pretty good. So for those who haven't heard about it, a dense, fast-moving series that examines not just the effects of systematic racism, but the effects of all sorts of disenfranchisement. Though you could argue they all have that same root cause on people with the boys' background. The lack of money that leads to inadequate lawyers and mothers unable to visit their sons incarcerated in distant places. The lifetime of fear and vulnerability that causes one parent to encourage his son to sign the confession so they can leave the station and sort things out later. The powerlessness is in the face of an authority that doesn't look like you or care about you. <sighs> so I think that's the best way to put it. But yeah, no, I mean, I was really surprised when I was even looking at like a bit of fact checking, just how many people were like slamming this. And, you know, I listened to the Young Turks and their stuff. So I knew about, you know, various corporations that, you know, can do some political slander but you know i'd already seen fortunately uh the attorney who you know is documented in here you know mm -hmm. how she had stepped down this had been reopened and yeah it's linda fairstein you know i had heard that name because she had inspired you know the sex crimes unit as well as detective Benson on you know Mariska hargate's character in law and order so it's like i knew I knew what she represented, but I also knew that it was kind of questionable to how, uh, you know, how she had gotten her whole thing. And she had done some other shady stuff, like been reportedly involved with the defense of Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, and like... I, I really am surprised never... she's been around this long with all these things, dents <laughs> on her record. <laughs> Seriously, I know. And then she wrote like multiple books and you know when she stepped down i'm like i hope nobody's buying those books like oh yeah and you you read even just like the names of them final jeopardy death dance they all sound yeah. like very bad like james patterson or lifetime type movies <laughs> like, yeah it's like you know she wrote them like you know she created that title mm -hmm. directed video mm -hmm. movies <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. so um yeah i know i like like we were saying before we started this out is like, yeah, it was kind of under uh, talked about. Like, I knew certain beloved actors were in it, like Michael K. Williams from The Wire and Blair mm -hmm. Underwood of all people, once again playing a lawyer from LA Law. And then, but yeah, that it's just all star cast. Like, there's a police lieutenant played by William Sadler. There's Vamp Jansen from X Men as the lawyer who defends one of the boys, and uh. And Juwan Ellis, who you guys might know from movies and shows like Men of Honor and Designated Survivor playing Yusef's mother. I was like, yeah, but I mean, uh, I'm not crazy about Vera Farmiga, but yeah, she did good here. Really? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. I'm not I sure. love her. <laughs> I do love Bates Motel, though, so I will give you that. But yeah, I mean, uh -huh. <laughs> Felicity Huffman plays Linda uh, Fairstein, and yeah, John Leguizamo has a very small role as Santana Sr., um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was just really even surprised just all the various other actors who come into here, and I was just like just playing the various community organizers, and 
other supporting lawyers, like all the boys had to be repped and they all had to go with some kind of predicament because they're all afraid of being, you know, incarcerated together. Yeah, exactly. Logan Marshall like, Green, who plays the one of the prison guards, Roberts, did okay here, and I'm not crazy about him either. But yeah, yeah, I wasn't crazy about him in the show either. But <laughs> he just has yeah. a land face to me, and just everything I see him in, where he just looks like he doesn't want to be here, and I don't know if that's just unintentional or what. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. If you think about it, though, as a prison guard, I feel like most of them are like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> so. He could have played it pretty well. Maybe that's that what it was. I just haven't liked him in other movies. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but hey, power of a filmmaker. You know, I call this the law and order effect. You know, it just when you serve the purpose and you dial down that you go, you're you're good at you can be just good in just the whole thing that you're being used in. So it's just, yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else? Well, that's on them. So um. So yeah, were you already familiar with Ada Devarney's work? Um, no, not at all, actually, and I've, I was watching interviews, like, she did one with Oprah, and a, a few others, but mainly the Oprah one that I was watching, she... I'm really surprised of what a lot of stuff she's done with Oprah, and I think that's just because, uh, wasn't, I think Oprah was in Selma, so I think, yeah, that started the friendship. Yeah, exactly, but she's such, like, a, a powerful woman. I mean, I was watching the interview, and I was like, yes, ma'am, like, this, we need more of you in this world. Oh, but, totally, and she came onto the scene almost around the same time as another independent uh, black filmmaker, uh, D. Rays, who many might know from movies like Pariah and Mudbound, and by the time mm -hmm. she got to make... Uh, Bessie for HBO I just knew her star was just going to keep on rising you know like she's going to keep you know doing a lot of LGBT and African-American themed uh dramas that are very inspirational and I think yeah Ada just had that same kind of deal where she's you know she just would make so many just just very well thought out tweets on Twitter and you're just like you know yeah. you're, you're just smarter than the average bear you know you really are yeah, and I feel like she really um, made that connection with the young actors, especially, like, um, in the interviews that I was watching, they would always say, like, you know, Ava would, just when I thought I couldn't, like, push any more emotion out, she challenged me, and I gave even more, and kept going, and kept going, so, like, you know, she really wanted to bring that true emotion into this whole, like, into each and every episode, so, She's, totally. She obviously knows what she's doing, you know. Absolutely. I hadn't seen A Wrinkle in Time, but I'm sure it was a fine kids movie for what it was. It seemed like a <laughs> lot of people who hated it were just not fans of kids movies or... Yeah, and I, I haven't seen it either. Like, they forced us to read the book in high school, and I, was, <laughs> I couldn't understand it. So I was like, I'm not going to watch the movie either, because I probably won't, won't get it. But at but, the same uh, time, like, I could tell that it was a progressive, very well done movie because yeah, virtually all exactly. the people hating on it were like neo-Nazis making a lot of anti, you know, feminist <laughs> remarks. I'm like, okay, so it's probably a very well done, you know, kids movie. And it's like, they always? regardless of whether it's entertaining or not, if you got just very positive energy, that should be commended regardless of whether or not you find it entertaining. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was like reading um, reviews on this show, and there was a few that were like, 
like raunchy. Like you could tell they were like, you know, this makes white. people feel good. How dare they? Yeah. And some of them were like, she she didn't even like give notice to the other victims, like, you know, the woman who was raped, and there was like other um joggers in the park that night or there were other crimes going on and there were other victims i'm like okay but like that's not the point of this that's not even remotely the story it's about the central park five if i have to retitle my movie the central park five just for you to pay attention to what it's about then you're just not ready to listen (laughs) yeah exactly and and they gave it like one star review i'm like you don't even know what you're talking about and they were like they were like she ava didn't even get some of the facts right there were six men who were you know arrested and it reminded charged. me of when they talked about like the oj simpson true crime documentaries they're like they got some stuff wrong like you do realize they're sorting through a very convoluted case yeah you know, exactly same kind of deal although you can say in that thing yeah a lot of people oj wasn't you know indicted but at the same time a lot of people thought you know pretty much agreed that he was a pretty sketchy, not cool dude. So it's just like, and it's just another example of kind of like Rittenhouse, where it's just like the case was not well put together. It was very heavy handed with how it was presented. And at the same time, you're, you got a very, you know, a person who everyone agrees is, you know, guilty on trial. Yeah. <laughs> Most yeah, of Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and he got lucky on that one because of his judge that he had. But, uh. <laughs> yeah. And. It really is amazing how many will just believe, you know, uh, just whatever facts are presented, like there's only one portion of the argument that should be considered. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, and if you get off, you're, you're, you're a good person. I'm like, not necessarily. You could just have had a weak yeah. case. Or... Yeah. And, and uh, have you ever been on a jury before? I've had a f- few family members who have. My grandmother, for one, like I remember she got dismissed when she – I think this was in the 80s or 90s when she uh, was asked an opinion. I know my mother definitely got dismissed immediately because she wasn't answering it simply like, you know, the lawyer was asking for. And she's like, yeah, well, I don't think the guy is guilty, but I would like to see a little more evidence. And they weren't too keen on that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I was just recently, like a few months ago, actually, for the first time I was on a jury and it was like a week long too. And some some guy, um, wow. it was a black man, and he, you know, allegedly committed first degree murder. And when I was looking at the evidence, I was like, something's off. There, it, you know, I know that not all the evidence is submitted. So just in the back of my head, I was like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I really don't know. But, um, and it's probably a downfall that I know that too, because I feel like, you know, my friends and like people close to me, they don't know the things that I know because I'm into true crime. You know, I know yeah. quite a few cases. So, <laughs> you know, I, I know how people can get wrongly convicted the way these five men were. So it, was, it, it really was is amazing how, and then it's like often when someone does the whole reasonable doubt it's just because it seems like they just want someone to not be ruled as you know guilty but just that one exception i'm like well you got to be consistent if you're going to just do it with just these then you got to do apply that to any kind of rule thing no it doesn't deserve the same amount Uh, yes it does (laughs) everything 
deserves the same amount. But it, it really is hard, especially when people are just letting their emotions kind of dictate what they're saying. And uh, I've even so for those who know about the Central Park Five, you may know that again, there's five boys who were scooped up at the scene of a crime, and some of them were beaten uh, up quite brutally, and Mm-hmm. essentially forced to confess and yeah. there's been other just restatements of this and that here and there and it's even more interesting how uh you know several times and you know it's also documented here uh it, it was very intriguing how again they they didn't have much of a plan and they were able to get many to just like disregard the fact that there was no you know semen collected at the so-called rape and Mm -hmm. the victim was blind but yet strongly believed you know despite being beat up and everything oh that they they gotta be the ones yeah like so yeah if you didn't see your attacker how can you very well say they are the attacker yeah i that's it that was the thing for me there was no DNA match to any of the guys. So, you know, that really threw me for a loop. And for me, you know, as a juror, that would <laughs> cause reasonable doubt doubt for me. But, and the other thing was um, one of the young boys, and you put that well, because they were boys. They were like- So 14, damn young. 14 to like 15, all underage, all minors. And it made so, me just so sad because, you know, there's just so many people who, whether they're bigoted or just very open-minded people who, again, the minute you get smeared on the front cover of a newspaper, you know, the damage is done. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, they must have done something bad. I mean, they made it that far into the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And These kids, oh my God. good for nothing kids, they, they were up to something. And People just don't seem to realize when you're in a big ass city, you know, it's just people are walking about and minding their own business and they're not responsible for if a crime happens in their neighborhood. Yeah, I know. And like, especially in an infamous, you know, park that's in New York. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like, um, during it, I was like, why is this woman going out at 9 p.m. at night to go for a jog? You know, it's like, I, I see it all the time too, and I never understand it because nothing good ever happens at night. And it's just no. like if you're gonna be out and about, at least be driving in a car. You know, do a quick errand at a twenty four seven grocery store. Don't. <laughs> I mean, oh. you're gonna be doing this in like New York City, Central Park. Like, I understand there's probably lots of people around, but I, I don't know. It's like, and it's sad too because as women, you know, we can't do those things like we can't go out at night and go for a jog yeah my folks were very strict with me because my sister and I were going to the same college and they're like wherever you go keep Meredith in viewpoint and it's just like keep yep your sister in viewpoint there might be an assault on your campus doesn't matter how many security guards or police are on there and I was just like I totally understand (laughs) yeah exactly and I forgot what kind of job she had so it probably you know was the only time she could fit in a job I mean, a jog. I didn't recall much on there, too. And I saw some people, even some right-wing critics complaining, oh, we didn't see much about the victim. I'm like, well, there never really was much detail about the victim. And yeah, it's not the perspective of the victim. So, uh, 
yeah, because these these five men were victims of the justice system. So yeah. we don't give know, a fuck about everybody else. We give a fuck yeah, about exactly. how they I mean, got out of this. And I I've seen other people complain in just other docudramas like various war and disaster movies like mm-hmm. when they show real life people matching it up with like the existing people i thought this was mm-hmm. very well done here in the final episodes like they really did good at yeah. just showing the actual guys just walking around and how they're now community leaders and yeah i did too and they all have like the one i i think it's uh uh yusuf i think that's the same i believe um, so yes yusuf yeah, and he has like ten kids now. <laughs> Towards the end, I saw that I was like, "Wow!" And he's like a he had plenty of education afterwards, and he's written plenty of books, and you know he really made it out for himself after this. You know, despite the fact of what he went through and everything like that. So it was just oh, totally. really interesting. But oh, totally, and. Uh, so I was, I did a little digging on, uh, filmmaker Devarney and I was really impressed. I had not a clue that she worked in like marketing and PR entertainment because she had been a journalist and she actually covered the OJ Simpson murder trial. Really? She became very disillusioned, she claims, and moved into, you know, PR and then a, was a junior publicist at 20th Century Fox and a few other agencies. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. And she formed her own DeBarney agency in 1999. Um, you go, so, girl. Fox. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you go, girl. And yeah, she, uh, I think she's made it, in all honesty, because yep. mm-hmm. I will follow his, all, and Middle of Nowhere have already been played on Turner Classic Movies. That alone tells you you've made it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One best dramatic film at Sundance. She just has a very good just way of just really just making everything just feel just so natural without just being very preachy or just self-indulgent. She's just so organized and I'd even go so far as to say she's the Black Spielberg. She's just really like female Spielberg for that matter. And yeah. She really is, though. And I feel like in the future, we're going to see plenty more from her, and it's all going to be amazing. Like, that that's my feeling I have. Oh, totally. And I think the fact that Selma got denied uh, uh, just, you know, much diversity Oscars is kind of like how I was when I was talking about the TV show Power not getting any Emmys. is just mm-hmm. the lack of diversity is going to keep being some political... Uh, you know, topic for the award shows. So it is kind of interesting how you like to think they're very progressive and yet half the time they don't really, you know, talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of even and more like, sad that the most biggest, you know, minority themed movie that got a lot of awards attention was a superhero movie, you know, Black Panther. I'm like, well, that's yeah. fine, but why can't it be an actual, like, historically significant or work of fiction that is very dramatically you know rewarding mm-hmm. and it just seems like unless you sugarcoat it with a lot of effects and I don't know is based on some kind of sci-fi uh, thing I mean 
there's already a bunch of action in horror movies that get accused of being denied a proper uh, venue for award ceremonies. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like if you make just other stuff that hits so close to home, like people are just like, oh, I don't even want to talk about that unless there's like a great, you know, A-list actor in it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, like, people don't want to talk about this, you know, this this case that went on. And I mean, that's why a lot of us haven't heard of it, you know, but that's probably why not a ton of awards were given for this because people avoid it, you know, they do their best to avoid the conversation and to keep their eyes shut to it, you know, and it's, it's really sad, honestly. But, um, yeah, I, I just hope like the next thing she makes will, you know, I really hope she makes another like true crime kind of like series because she did very well. So. Oh, totally. And I think she's made a lot of good, like close calls. Like she was thinking of doing like a DC superhero movie and even a yeah biography on prince and she i think left both those because of creative differences and i think it was just because she's like i can do better i can yeah do something that is so much more significant than about you know something easy like you know again (laughs) a comic book adaptation or a (laughs) selfish celebrity so yeah Mm -hmm. um so yeah a few others um, uh, I mean, her show Queen Sugar has a primary character about who's a convicted felon whose prison past makes it difficult for him to find a job, and I think she just wanted to keep exploring themes like that. Mm-hmm. I heard yeah, so much good the- stuff about it, but I haven't seen it yet. I haven't either, but I need I think to it's on because if she, if she did so good with this, I need to see everything everything else she's made. <laughs> right. Uh, totally. Um, so how would you contrast this? Uh, like I saw that not only Oprah produced this, but also Robert De Niro and Jane mm-hmm. Rosenthal. Why do I know that name? Okay. So she's part of the Tribeca Enterprises. So there you go. She's worked with a lot of stuff with Robert De Niro. Okay. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, I definitely heard about the settlement in 2014, but it was so bad how it had been going on. The settlement had of wrongful conviction went on since 2003. So I'm just like, that's two decades. That's, yeah. That's not good. I I know, and I agree. And like, and they already had to serve time back in, you know, like decades before. So it's like, man. I, and like no amount of money can change taking away someone's childhood you know what i'm saying like it was just heartbreaking like that was the heartbreaking aspect of it and all and all the interviews that i watched of them that's the main thing they wanted to point out was like fuck the money you know yeah like, we lost our childhood and we went through hell because not like with the whole um prison uh uh, the prison ladder, I guess you could say, is, like, rape is one of the worst crimes you can do in prison, because you will get a beat down. It's, like, it's, like, really neck and neck with, uh, pedophilia, and that's what one of the guys kept saying, you know, and it's, like, we went through hell because of what we were accused of, and it's, like, no amount of money can 
change that and yeah you know and the damage so. is gone when there's a smearing and so i find it so funny how uh <laughs> once again uh Fairstein, uh and a bunch of these other associates uh uh are taking Devarney and netflix to court uh claiming there's a non-factual assertions about their interrogation techniques and she did a whole defamation lawsuit. I'm like, well, come on. You already broke these people's, you know, uh, personas and ruined their lives. It's like, I think we can ruin your life. You've made money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've made plenty of money. You can go into hiding if you want to. But, like, <laughs> I mean, like, they, that's the thing, though you know, this ruined their lives, because now, even though they were found, you know, they were exonerated, or whatever, they still are looked at as if they did, you know, the raping, and I mean, really they used a Ken Burns documentary, for God's sakes, you can't say this is biased. <laughs> exactly, exactly, so, you can't tell me otherwise, you know. It was really also just unfathomable but just very intriguing how you know Blair Underwood's character you know he had no experience in you know criminal justice he was just only a divorce attorney yeah and that was just mind-blowing yeah. to me is like again <laughs> their resources were limited and had, had nothing to work with really yeah and it that still goes on today you know and it's really sad I feel like I'm not sure if there's any um like nonprofits out there that I think there are a few, but I don't know any of them that um, can help pay for attorneys for people who were falsely accused. And it's a good question if they've changed it up or not. And it does make you, like you say, want to research a bunch of other dilemmas with the justice system because it's not as simple as, you know, dealing with a speeding ticket. You know, it's dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And like, even after um, they were found guilty, you know, the parents, you really saw that struggle throughout um, the, the episodes. And I mean, they could hardly afford their attorneys. So they were like scraping up pennies and some of them were trying to send money to their sons in prison, but it's like, I can't afford you because I'm still trying to pay off these attorney fees. So it's just an ongoing problem even till this day. Yeah. And I mean, this was before social media where you could, you know, say, Hey, yeah. everybody help out. I got a problem. Yeah. I need it dealt with. You know, can you Yeah, there there were no GoFundMe accounts I was back then. <laughs> <laughs> there was no can you just, you know, donate, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, there was none of that back then, unfortunately. Oh. oh man. Mm. What? Uh, it was even hard to even find just certain stuff about it without finding like editorial it being just editorials. So <laughs> it's definitely an interesting case to review and look at and it is kind of interesting how it's just so many are just still adamant that they, they must have been guilty. And it's just like, well, I mean, if you're going by crappy paperwork, then sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, and in, in another review that I um, was reading, they were like, it wasn't, you know, said in the in the docu series, but like, uh, one of the one of the young men, they had details to the crime that you know the police didn't Dismissed. even give to them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you know, I I highly doubt that. You know, when you go back and you look at their police interviews. The thing is, is that a lot of it is trimmed as well. So you're not seeing what the police officers are telling them or coercing them to say. They so, do so good with the montage, though, of what everyone's being fed and how they might yeah. have had various variations of the fret. And mm-hmm. I think it's also just it, it, timing is everything. And it definitely came out at the right time when we're already, you know, We've had so many Black Lives Matter protests and everything, but the last few years have been even more rickety-rockety, you know. Yeah, because everything's finally coming to light. (laughs) Totally. People are now finally saying, oh, well, now i got to show what into the aisle I'm on. I can't tell you how many neighborhoods I pass with the whole, you know, defund or I support Mm -hmm. the police. And it's just like, it's now gotten to that time where it's just like, there's just no other way to say it because however you say it, just everyone knows what they support and they'll either do it out of stubbornness or because they actually believe in the cause. And I think it's just very interesting how, I mean, for years police have gotten in trouble and they've either, you know, been fired or been on paid leave. And I think it's, you know, this did a good job of just kind of hinting at police unions, you know, revisiting this and finding it questionable, you know, and, it is very yeah. wild how they asked the, I think it wasn't the coroner or the, one of the other just evidence guys who was just like, yeah, no, that, that, that doesn't match the report at all. <laughs> Cause it wasn't, yeah. there's no evidence. Exactly. There's no DNA match or any evidence of that. And like, I mean, like, um, I just recently did a case, uh, the yogurt shop murders where Oof. there were, tons of people it's where like four uh girls were raped and murdered and then the whole place was set on fire it's a very terrible case but um it even till this day it's still a cold case because no one's been able to find you know the killers and they accused like four men of doing it four white men but still it's you know the police corruption the amount of police corruption in that case is ridiculous like One of the guys, um, I think his name is Michael Scott, during his police interview, the policeman was, um, or the detective was, like, hitting his arm and, like, really hounding down, like, you know what happened, tell us what happened, and he's like, I have no clue, and then the detective brings in a gun, and it's like, do you recognize this? And he's like, no, I don't, and he literally presses it up against the back of Michael's head. And he's like, how about now? And Michael's like, nope, Jesus. not a clue. You know, it's like, that still goes on. So it's just... Have you heard of the Chicago cases kind of doing a lot of similar stuff like that where they're still, like, giving... Like, it's kind of like with how certain Native Americans can get free college. They would do a lot yeah. of money for those wrongly convicted years ago, like in the 70s. But yeah, it is the same kind of deal. Like, just disgruntled, hard-boiled detectives and this isn't an entertaining movie in any way, you know, this is real life, they, 
just kind of yeah. get someone to confess until they just finally give up and say, fine, fine, you break, you broke me. I'll, I'll sign whatever it is. And it's just like, that's not doing your job. You know, find someone else who isn't, you know, you know, even yeah. if they're a liar, they're still not your person. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. And in this whole show, in the first episode, you see what the young boys went through. Like they were practically getting beaten up and make sure you, know, you get them home i'm like they're not gonna get them <laughs> exactly and that's the only reason why they lied is because they just wanted to go home they were petrified they were 14 years old some of them everyone was so a kid like, and what did you do you fibbed <laughs> yes and except one of them he had like a bus card i think and it said he was 16 and he only made it that way to like impress girls or whatever to show that he was older and the yeah. cops were like uh yeah sure so even though he was really 15 so he was a minor and so he was brought in for questioning without a parent and it's like mm -hmm. oh that should that case honestly or at least his trial should have been appealed completely because of that but it never oh, yeah. was and then he he should have gotten a bunch of just you know yeah. uh, a big payday out of all of them because this is exactly. like this is more than just slander this and just false imprisonment this is also just for lack of a better word it's just uh it's pretty much a life ender it's not a career ender or yeah. uh, uh just a reason for me to rot this is basically if we just flat out can't you know function as any individuals we're just rotting even if we're yeah. not in a cell we're rotting yeah exactly and like speaking of cell and rotting <laughs> when it came to Corey wise you know in like episode four when he was in solitary for i don't know how long it never was said a good deal i was very surprised that they went that route but and i didn't wasn't sure at first but they did a good job just connecting the dots there as it went on where you're just like oh wow <laughs> yeah because he was the only one out of the five who was sent to adult prison first when he was only 16 years old. Out of all of them, yeah. And charged, and charged with rape. So when you're charged with rape, it's not a good time in prison. You know, so he's getting beaten to death practically. And then he asks for solitary confinement and he's like practically losing his mind. And, you know, there's even studies shown today that solitary is not the way to go for prison. No. Like it will it will mess you up mentally and you can i hate to say this but you can kind of tell compared to the other um men now like Corey wise is a little different and i can tell that he really went through some emotional trauma and a lot he yeah. you know, i'm sure he's probably in in therapy now you know getting the help that he needs after what you know he's been through but Oh yeah, when they see you see him getting dragged away, you know, on all fours, yeah. you're you're just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, I know. He's not doing this. So I was I was really glad she kind of made a whole episode on Corey because he really did go through a lot, you know. Right. Everyone else, you know, kept getting a pills and it's like, well, yeah, he didn't have that and on his side. Yeah, and they they offered him um, parole, but he kept denying it because in order to get parole, he had to admit to what he'd done and like take 
blamed for it practically and he kept denying and denying and right up until the end until you know someone confessed and that's when they all got released so luckily he didn't confess to it you know air quotes because you know he didn't do it but you know it's like towards the end of the whole series you're in the end you're really proud of him for sticking it out you know after totally. all he went through sticking to his guns <laughs> yeah yeah it was very uncanny with how they went about it and they made good, such good use of every episode i never found mm-hmm. one where you're like that's filler or that doesn't need to go there or that confused me with how you placed it yeah they they were they had they were on their game and participant media apparently has done plenty of other you know true life stuff like judas and the black messiah and spotlight yeah. so i can see why this was in their interest to say hey let's take this on let's do yeah and honestly i'm still surprised they fit it into four episodes i feel like I don't think it was like uh, crammed or rushed at all. I think it was very well, um, very well placed in each episode. But I know there's like more to this case as well. And they probably could have done an episode on like what really went on that night because there was like 25 men in Central Park that were going around and doing crimes. And I think the part that was confusing for me a little bit was how they chose these five men or these five boys out of all 25 people who were out that night, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. No, that's a good point. Cause I mean, you can only go about it just so many different ways. And if you, uh, I'm sure if they tried that way, they would have been unable to get, you know, every portrayal down to a T or yeah, even have some kind of coherent movie. And like you say, you know, time's not on everyone's side and i'm sure they yeah. said yeah that's a good point yeah 25 that is pretty bad mm. but yeah but, you know, uh, that's uh, yeah. that's very well said because i mean <clears throat> we've seen so many other true life uh stuff that's been so heavily documented to where people are like even sticklers for how uh certain stuff gets dramatized with the court cases or how stuff is revealed and it's like you know Mm -hmm. you only have time for so much stuff you know (laughs) yeah exactly and i think honestly i think it did a good job on uh portraying what was going on outside of the court before the court proceedings even happened because I think it was like episode one or two in the very it had to be episode two in the beginning when um they're trying to set up this case to be presented and they're trying to like tweak the timeline for it to fit for these uh five boys to be at the crime scene I'm like can they do that like I wonder if that actually Mm -hmm. goes on because I haven't really heard of a case where you know the police department will like kind of tweak the timeline a little bit but um I was like wow they really did that because obviously it wouldn't be in the in the series if it didn't happen so I didn't I honestly I didn't look for any articles about it but 
you know, I kind of believed what I was watching. So, and I'm sure it happened, you know, them falsely, falsely tweaking the timeline. And even if certain people in the audience chamber didn't yell, you know, that's not true, they might have still done, you know, and yeah, there's nothing that feels like it's an overblown, you know, Hallmark production. There's never bad performances mm-hmm. in this. And fun fact, I didn't realize that Artisifant Media also produced the very extremely similar true life uh, legal drama, Just Mercy. Did you ever see that one? I don't think so. What is it about? So Michael B. Jordan played uh, lawyer Brian Stevenson, who had to overturn uh, a man who had been not only wrongfully convicted of murder, but it was a case that involved a judicial override where the judge wanted a death penalty, but the jury wanted, you know, life imprisonment. Mm -hmm. It launched the career of... uh, Dustin Daniel Kraton, who has recently done a bunch of stuff like Shang-Chi and everything, but it was another one of those, that movie wasn't as interesting, but it was definitely well acted and an intriguing thing that made me say, you know what, I'm going to look up the real life case, and hopefully this, you know, the show does the same, you know, people keep talking about it, because it had been just mentioned here and there, and, you know, we'd seen this attorney just step down, and I'm just never ever really surprised when I just see certain people who are admired in the public eye and then they just are on record just saying a very petty comment and it can happen to anyone and I'm just never just nothing really surprises me anymore it really doesn't no same it's it's all political it's all about power like um that's kind of how this whole case went too it's like it's all about political power and mm-hmm. that's why they wanted to at least accuse somebody of doing the rape because they would look like heroes, you know, in the media's eye, at least. And it's just really sad because that still goes on today. So. Totally. So Chris Bowers did the score for this show. His credits mm-hmm. include Green Book, Bridgerton, and Space Jam 2, <laughs> as well as the TV version of Dear White People. So. I was really impressed by the small kind of piano cues in this because they really, it doesn't feel like someone trying to copy like Hans Zimmer or John Williams for the time. It really kind of complemented the mood. And there were times where it was just kind of slowly, I don't know if you noticed it, it it would slowly kind of fade into the background and then kind Mm -hmm. of fade out. Like the voices are getting louder when they're yelling and then slowly the yells kind of, you know, fade out and the score starts getting bigger i saw that of like three different times at small moments it's like that's interesting yeah right and i think um i read somewhere do you remember when uh the boys were convicted of being guilty and that scene like right after it happened um there was one of the boys who was playing a trumpet mm. do you remember that he was like sitting in a chair in the middle of the street it was Kind of I like, believe so, around episode two-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's like I saw online where it's the significant of that um, was about, you know, because he's a trumpet player. He wanted to play for, like, some college and band, and he's kind of playing his trumpet to be like, you know, wake up, America. This just happened. 
kind of thing, but that was kind of the symbolic meaning behind that, but that was really the only kind of music thing I really paid attention to. No, it's fine. Uh, there was plenty of times, especially when it starts out very raw and, you know, you're seeing in the father who tells his, you know, one of the kids to, you know, his son to, you mm-hmm. know, whose trial he didn't even go to. And I loved how they kind of took a little free license with that. He just was never there for the son. And I was like, yeah, I can see if he coerced him to go along with it, that he probably felt guilty and he just was better off not being in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Have you you seen um, the interviews of him towards his father for not being there and like leaving his mother while he was in jail? Like he still... he still gets upset about it. And he's like, no, my I would father be would too. I'd be like, you abandoned me. <laughs> yeah. You told me to lie. And that's why I'm here. There's a 20 day. for the cab. I don't need a 20 yeah, for the cab. Exactly. I need you in the cab, you know, telling <laughs> yeah. me everything's going to be all right. I'm sorry. I told you to, this was the right decision to do, you know, fess up to it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, overall, his father kind of ruined his life. You know, I can, see how he has some hard feelings towards him even after getting out and everything so that part was really hard for me and because towards I think what like episode three or something when you see him get out of prison and his dad is very sick like he came back into the family the mom accepted him back and he's like practically dying and at the end you they don't really talk at all um but it's just sad because the dad wanted to explain his reasoning, blah, blah, blah. I don't think there's really too good of a reasoning for leaving the family. It's like nothing was going to be good enough. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was really sad. Like I cried when I saw the dad practically taking his last breath and then his son crying over him because it's like, I missed out on a lot, you know, but he still had so much hate, so much hatred towards his Mm -hmm. father. So I don't know. That made me emotional. <laughs> it was interesting. It really was. And I, you know, there's, you know, this wasn't a matter of, you know, I'm not in your life because I cheated on your mom or anything. It's just a matter of yeah. I'm not here because I'm just not here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just that rare, just inexplicable. And you never feel like you're getting a, sugar-coated half-assed version of the story and it just felt like they essentially just you know someone went through just several newspaper clippings and talked to some professors or something and just said you know this is what we got this is how we're going to communicate it go from there yeah and i mean the whole movie was like an emotional roller coaster so towards the end right as i got done with it i'm like I am very depressed right now. I need to go like watch something happy because I feel shame. <laughs> I felt shame. I was the same way. Yeah. It was just like I have to watch like Rick and Morty or something right now just to <laughs> have some upbeat emotions. Totally. Is something to cheer us up. So I did some digging on the cinematographer because this is a damn well shot show. Bradford Young has previously shot for, again, Ada on, Ava on uh, Selma, and you have seen his cinematography on just about everything. 
<laughs> just mm-hmm. uh, Mother of George, Pond Sacrifice, and 2016's Arrival. Also seen him do just easygoing stuff like, you know, the Star Wars Han Solo movie. Oh, and he shot Pariah, which I mentioned earlier. So, yeah, he's working with the best of the best independent filmmakers. <sighs> well, that makes sense. I mean, every scene was well shot. Like, I, I can't complain about anything, honestly. It um, Each so shot good. captured every emotion. And, I mean... I don't know. I I give it five stars all around. <laughs> I really do. It really was. Um, uh, in a 2012 New York Times article, it states that he favors raw light and has a penchant for shooting into it, but ultimately focuses mm-hmm. on getting out of the way. I'm like, that's cool. And yeah, because yeah, the the way this is shot, I can tell instead of the day for night, you know, type of dilemma. I don't know how mm-hmm. they did it and everything, but yeah, I feel like for all I know, it could have been actual at night and they just did some creative tricks, but I see that he had shot just all this other stuff with many different filmmakers and music videos. And I was just like, this, yeah. this is perfect because there's so many cinematographers who would have just focused on making everything beautiful, but not, believable if that makes sense yeah like that's fine if that's the point of the movie but (laughs) yeah and I mean I can agree with that like every I I felt it I felt like everything was very raw especially in um each interview you know of the boys the police interviews I was like wow this lighting right now you know you you really feel like you're there honestly with them and yeah no no voyeurism even that's an often done angle and here i feel like i'm just here sitting right next to him that there's not even all that much steady cam or shaky cam really unless people are walking into the courtroom but for the most even when they do like slow motion shots and you know as typical Mm -hmm. with any historical drama you know music starts playing but like it just feels it's such a differently done natural edit as opposed to you know the slow motion you know yelling no you know it's more (laughs) the way this is done here is like that there's no no reason for anyone to unintentionally guffaw at finding a cheesy edit here this this is just so well accomplished yeah yeah that's how i felt just perfectly assembled it's like okay that they uh they they definitely storyboarded this or had some shot list going (laughs) because You can tell when people make shit up. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. You really can. And I feel like throughout this, there was no, like, I don't know. I I did feel like the whole thing was raw. Like, no really special effects or anything like that. It's like, all right, we're about to take this right now. Get ready. Action kind of thing. And boom. Even not even typical heavier, you know, trumpet or even electronic music was even all that used all that much from what I can. Exactly. It was kind of just not even trumpets to signify something, you know, for whom the bell tolls or tragic. None none of that even here. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I think, I think that's what really made it easier to capture the emotion for the audience you know i i think it 
that played into a big part of this whole movie. So, or this whole series. It really was unlike most of what we've seen. Cause I mean, with these, with this, I mean, there's so many other miniseries that, you know, love to go on and on and on. And I mean, you know, they were groundbreaking in their own respective right, regardless of how they were edited for syndication or home video use. Uh, but yeah, this, I mean, they pretty much had it all squared away. They just made a Netflix deal and Netflix allowed them this freedom to pretty much pursue a yeah. just because uh, people are looking for true life stories because again that they can care about all the you know money and awards they'll receive but you know when it really does mean a lot when you can actually tell some kind of story that uh, has some kind of not just a true crime angle but also just reminds many of uh, just how fortunate they are to have not had to face just such dire circumstances where uh, you know everything is threatened and perceptions about them are faced time and again yeah exactly and um, with everything going on you know nowadays with Black Lives Matter and everything I think it's important to kind of revisit cases like this and show like hey this is similar to like Trayvon Martin, George Floyd. I'm you know. glad you bring up Trayvon because people will remember the name, but like sometimes I have to remind people of Zimmerman, you know, <laughs> this is the yeah. guy who did, went about and did this and that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's important to bring up the past because it shows that nothing's really changed at all. No. And, I've even tried to convince people to do a few like true crime, like reenactment kind of movies and no one was comfortable. And it was like, really? really? Uh, like back when I was working on independent film projects and it was just amazing how everyone was fine with playing a bad guy, but only if it was like fictional or they didn't do anything besides like do a fight scene or something. I'm like, you gotta be comfortable. You know, I had a friend who literally does look like uh, Zimmerman. And I was just like, we could do a pretty, good true crime anthology and just show about stories that affected today's society but he was just like no why would I want to play that I'd be glamorizing I'm like you're not glamorizing him you would be just doing a just get inside the psyche of how shitty people think they can keep getting away with endless money and feel no remorse but it's hard to tell people that too you know it's kind of like when you got violent or sexual content in a movie and having to tell people the tone or how it's used or whether it's entertainment or art, you know, it's, it's, it's just so hard to do. You know, And I would get that too. I would see people say, well, I'll do this violent thing as long as I don't have to do bloody makeup or I'll do the sex as long as it's not pornographic. It's like, well, they're not up it. for the challenge. I right. see. Just do what you signed up to do and leave it at that. <laughs> wow. See, I, it all depends on how you um, really portray the, the characters because... The pitch is everything. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of people who glamorize serial killers nowadays, like Ted Bundy. Uh, and, I'm so done oh with Ted God. Bundy. 
don't even get me started. There's a there's a new movie out about him on Hulu, and I just watched it. I'm like, I hate this. I was like two minutes in, and I'm like, I already hate it. It was a terrible movie. But um, is that the one a, with uh, what's his name, Efron or whatever? No, so that one was a little bit better. Okay. But that, <laughs> it, oh God, I forgot the actor. But I know thing. what you mean. Where it's just like there are a lot, so many subjects that have been revisited. And yeah. having to wade through the various thing. And there are times where I'm just like, I feel like you have portrayed this person so much to where it doesn't matter what your intent is. You've glamorized them to the point of where the fact that you want to revisit it means you already kind of have some unofficial fascination with them, which is not good. Yes, exactly, exactly. And like, they don't even, uh, even to this day, I have not seen like a movie or a documentary that hasn't shown the whole story around like say Ted Bundy because you know his uh, wife at the time got the sh- you know short end of the stick and like not only not a lot of people go into her and her side of the story because she wrote a whole book and everything and said how you know Bundy was really abusive towards her and everything but you miss that part in these movies and documentaries because yeah they just show all about him and his psyche and everything so everyone wants to concentrate on the illicit affairs and everything i'm like this sounds like a sleazy b picture it doesn't it really shouldn't even be adapted anymore exactly and like with this um with when they see us the show i think i think they did a great job of not like glamorizing the uh the actual rapist and you know who admitted towards the end or even you know, glamorizing the media or anything like that. They were really just mainly focused on these five, on these oh, totally. five men. And so, I'm I'm really I'm even scared. impressed not only at how these actors are going to keep getting a bunch of different, you know, uh, collaborations and uh, future projects, but you know they're going to pick something that really is pretty well thought out and stays with you in a way, like. Frank Pondo played, you know, Detective Gonzalez. He was excellent, but he was barely on screen. But he left an impression. So I'm sure yeah. he'll get plenty of other intimidating or dramatically rewarding roles. Uh, Isis King, transgender actress who played Corey's sister, you know, who was transgendered oh, in real life. I just like I thought that was a good casting, you know, because that's a pretty yeah, sensitive I... thing, role to cast. <laughs> yep, and I wasn't even expecting that you know, him having a, um, a transgender sister, and she actually got murdered towards the end while he was in jail, and that broke me, you know, just when I thought I couldn't be any more broken, it went ahead and chopped me up, like, it was, yeah, it was really sad, that and he, he has to, to find that. it out while he's suffering, and it's just like, <sighs> well, yeah, and it's just that, and also, I kind of like that aspect of it, too. They're kind of bringing in another, mi- you know, minority group of Black trans- transgender people, and I was, I could really appreciate that. Like, they're kind of showing how back then, how it was for um, transgender people, and I, I loved it. I was like, yes, like, please show this, you know, because even to this day, it's still the same, <laughs> you know, pe- um, especially for uh black transgender lives you know it's totally she her imdb claims she travels the country speaking to young adults at colleges 
about self-love and living in the truth of your existence. I think that's part of the situation that isn't even really talked about enough. You know, just how do you become comfortable in your, in your new skin, so to speak, you know? Yeah, exactly. And they show, you know, scenes of obviously her mother not accepting it and kicking her out of the house. And then she has to leave her brother behind. And it really shows that raw sense to how it truly is for a majority of people, you know, transitioning like that. So, God, especially in the 80s. Oh, totally. After a while, I did kind of just, I'm glad you brought that up. I would have totally flaked and forgot about that because, you know, you're just so overwhelmed by all the other just very depressing material. But see, okay, so for those who are listening, yes, this isn't an easy thing. Split up however you got to. But at the end of the day, you're also going to be happy that you saw this because you're not going to feel like this was, you know, a story anyone could have told that was even necessarily easy to talk about, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, to even just interpret such a thing that, you know, is such a convoluted crime case. It's just like, at the end of the day, you just feel so rewarded that someone had the guts to want to tell something that is just so heart-wrenching yeah yeah and you know I feel like you know thank god they put this in the series because it it needs to be brought up and it needs to be discussed about and for anyone else would have just been like oh irrelevant no it's relevant because it's talking about yeah yeah it's very relevant you know and Corey Wise loved his sister you know who was originally a man but transitioned into a woman Siblings stick around and support siblings. Exactly. And like, you know, and so even in my own family, we we feel that, you know, like me and my brother are gay and we're very supportive of each other. My whole family is supportive, you know. Not every family is the same though, but um it it needs to be discussed and people who keep their eyes closed and avoid the conversation, well, they're part of the problem, you know, of today's society. And that's kind of what I also bring into my own podcast, where I talk about gay news in the beginning of each podcast episode, because it needs to be a normal conversation. Like, it needs to be talked about more often, so people can gradually become more used to it, and it can become a normalized thing, you know, subject matter. Oh, so, totally. Another um, true crime podcast you guys might like, uh a few bad apples, which talks about police misconduct. And then at the end, she'll talk about a brief, you know, police story. That was a highlight that where someone wasn't a bad apple. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's so hard to kind of pan it out and actually kind of keep the momentum because, you know, covering these stories is already just so, you know, time consuming and again, heartbreaking. And so then to actually, have to organize your thoughts, say it coherently, and then, you know, tell everyone, yeah. hey, this is a big deal. We should keep yeah. discussing it. Yeah, and the thing is, is that um, a lot of people don't talk about these things because they're afraid to, and they're afraid of being ridiculed or shut down, but the thing is, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to have this conversation with people as long as you take the initiative to do your own research because in the black community it's not 
it's not their job to teach us how what things are going on right now and how you should understand our problems that are going on it's it's up to us to do our own research and you know realize what's going on so i feel like luckily you know ava did this series amazingly and really brought to light a lot of issues but it's up to us to really research further into that so absolutely yeah and you know again can't be commended enough because i mean sure you know they made a big big giant production and you know cast a reasonable amount of unknowns and semi-known character actors but you know this couldn't have happened overnight you know nothing happens overnight to get this funded and tell someone you have a vision and i have permission or i have proper documents to you know adapt this you know from script to screen from newspaper articles to a coherent screenplay you know that's Mm -hmm. that's just so time consuming and i think as you've already well stated this is a show that will i think probably even be i'm sure i can imagine someone wanting to show it in a film class or even just some kind of history class maybe people can uh looking it'd be interesting to know if someone studied it at a law school be interesting yeah i know I'd, i'd like to hear if anyone's done that in law school because i also feel like this really should be um you know taught or like demonstrated in um high school like it should be shown the way because when i was in high school um we watched the movie uh the freedom writers oh okay nice yeah and that was a really huge importance and kind of you know woke us up even in high school but this would be amazing for young students to kind of watch and understand what's going on today you know i think that's, that's a really good important because there there are a lot of that's another movie that just kind of just got forgotten in the shovel yeah it, it exactly. was like it was produced by mtv for god's sakes and yeah no one talks about it. no it was really good it was a really good movie too you know sometimes i'll still watch it from time to time but uh it's hard to even I, just find the movie that is more than just like a crowd pleaser that really does make you say, Hey, you know, I, I, I didn't just watch something entertaining. I learned something. And yeah, it seems like there's, I just never failed to just see an increase. And a lot of people are like, it's not going to make me cry. Is it? Oh, it's not going to make me have to think too hard. Is it like, why, why do you even want to watch something if your brain's not somewhat engaged with it? You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah exactly like go watch fox news if you want that (laughs) you know yeah i mean i like stupid entertainment but after a while i get bored nowadays even Mm -hmm. more so because i'm not a kid anymore i want to actually be very involved with something (laughs) yeah and for people i um who like aren't familiar with the justice system and everything and they'll watch this series they'll probably be like what there's no way this happens or like there's no way there's police corruption this bad but there is there's a lot that goes on even today so just keep that in mind for people who watch this <laughs> well it's been so great having you on here thank you ever so much for making it <laughs>
Yeah, I know. But um. Uh, any other stuff you want to promote for um, on the road? Um. Like what you'll be covering in the future? Or? I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably gonna cover this case because I think it's important to okay, kind of reiterate everything that went on and you know the real case that went went on behind it but um yeah I'll probably do that pretty recently too um because I don't know it's very interesting I'm excited to do it too but uh yeah so everyone stay tuned for that (laughs) (laughs) okay stellar well you have a safe rest of 2022 (laughs) yes thank you and be safe don't get covid Uh, yeah uh, uh, any mutation of it is not in my interest to get i'm even having to tell certain people stop trying to shake my hand or you know give me knocks. <laughs> i don't even do elbows anymore just really will wow. suffice. Uh, I'm, don't get close to me please <laughs> yeah, it's fine even like besides covid i'm like that too like don't don't touch me don't get close to me <laughs> oh god Oh, man. (laughs) Okay. Access the Zoom. What the hell? Come on, computer. (laughs) We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of it. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. 
because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one-last plot holes and gratuitous It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. At eilfm.podbean.com. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.